friends and fellow Buffy lovers, and welcome to our podcast, where we discuss each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in detail, focusing on digging deep into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing. I'm Leah. I'm Sarah. I'm Tabby. And this is Becoming Buffy. Friends, welcome back to Becoming Buffy. Well, more specifically, welcome back to Scooby Secrets, <laughs> our favorite part of the podcast, in case you haven't tuned in the last, what, 22 episodes that we've recorded. <laughs> and we have so much for you today. Yeah, we always, I feel like we always have a lot to talk about, but this one especially. Yeah, I was about to say, like, I don't know what it is about this episode. Like, I don't yeah. have, I don't have, like, you know, more spoilers than I've ever had before or anything that crazy. But, like, I feel like the spoilers I did have, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is so interesting. At least to me, obviously. Well, this is the one Giles-centric episode we get out of the yeah. entire Buffy series. No, it's not. So, Other than the season four one. Yeah, the, uh, there's the oh, one in season yeah, four man. where he gets turned man. into a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, my bad. I guess I should say it's the only Ripper episode we I get. know. Yeah. We really got gypped. We got gypped. I know. I agree. Well, they left it open-ended because they wanted to do the Ripper's television series, which would have been really cool, but they never did it. So then we were just left with, like, not a lot of Ripper stuff, which is so mm-hmm. sad. Yeah, but this is the only, like, real glimpse we get into Giles's past. We have, like, conversations here and there and sentences and stuff. But this is the one where we're like, whoa, this is who Giles is. Like, we see the full picture of who mm-hmm. he is. And it's just – it's fascinating and there's a lot of foreshadowing for later stuff that happens in the rest of the series. Speaking of which – I know we already um, put spoilers in before we gave our spoiler warning. <laughs> oh, yeah. What I was going to say is obviously this is a spoiler section. So if Sorry. you guys don't prefer spoilers, then go ahead they and leave now. They probably already clicked off by now. <laughs> I know. They're like, gosh, why did they warn us? I feel like we give you guys enough warning before we start, but just in case, that way no one gets mad. This is the warning, you know, don't say any further. This is also spoilers for not only all seven seasons of Buffy, but also the show Angel. So if you care about spoilers for either of those, we would not recommend you stay. There's like, there's a show Angel? Oh, I'm so mad. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I mean, if they've stayed this long and they haven't seen the shows before. Yeah, that's on you then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. So the thing is, is that I'm excited for us to finally get to the end of season three because we can finally talk about Angel in the non-spoiler section. Yeah. Because we have to be like really hush-hush about that because that's a huge spoiler that he comes back in season three. Mm -hmm. And so there's like, or that There's he so dies at the end of season two. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. We're heading towards his death. That's like the I thing that we're going towards. I'm like, I'm so mad because like I've I've started to show a friend of mine Buffy. I mean, she's like snailing through, but um, <laughs> I kept being like, don't look at spoilers, don't look at spoilers. And then she, oh, no. she found out that Angel had his own show, and I was like, oh, like really try mm-hmm. like to not yeah. have her know anything but i mean that one's so hard not to know yeah because when you look up buffy on hulu angel pops up so yeah exactly i'm gonna start lying to people and saying that it's a prequel to the show oh that's a good idea <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> we don't normally condone lying, but when it comes to Buffy spoilers, absolutely do it. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, seriously, I remember when I was watching Buffy for the first time on Netflix because Angel popped up and I was like, what? I was super confused when she killed him, but then I was like, oh, yeah, he must come back, which I'm really bummed that I never got to experience that of like, <gasps> right? Was, like, where is he? Yeah. See, I kind of did. Like, I didn't know there was a show, but when he died, like, I just knew. I was like, they're going to bring him back. He's one of those characters I feel like you kind of know. I just thought that he was too big of a character to die. And I've realized in shows like this, anytime someone dies a mystical death, they end up being brought back. Yeah, typically. I guess so. Because I'm trying to think. Yeah, I guess there's nobody that died a mystical death that didn't get brought back because technically Tara was shot. Mm -hmm. And then Joyce died of an aneurysm. Um, And Jenny uh, Jenny snapped. No, she was snapped neck though. Yeah. It's not like she was bitten or something. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're right. Yeah, those are the three main deaths. I know there's other deaths. I can't remember. <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh, Jonathan. <laughs> Anya. Jonathan was stabbed. Oh, yeah. Which is but Anya, Anya literally Anya was died stabbed. in the last like yep. seven minutes of the series. There's no way she's going to come Could back. Could you imagine? That. Like she dies and then they like bring her back. You're like, oh. The last second. Like, or she wakes up and then, okay, that's a horrible thought. Never mind. <laughs> We need to stop with these horrible thoughts. We keep having them. <laughs> but could you imagine that was horrible? They like she wakes up and then like Sunnydale's goes kaplutz. That'd be so <gasps> sad. <laughs> She's like, I'm alive. She's like been slashing half. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awful. <laughs> Sarah starts crying. I know. Seriously, I mean, she'd be dead either started. way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is sad. Anyways, started. Every time I think about the finale, I tear up. It's just, it's yeah. very emotional for me. But okay, we're not anywhere near there, so let's not talk about it yet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're literally like five seasons away. This is nothing to yeah, do with like- Ripper. And we just talk about like Anya's death. She's not even on the show. Well, I can start with the first one because I'm super excited to talk about this because it's kind of like a small detail, but I thought it was really interesting. So when they're in the hallway and uh, Jenny and Giles are there together and then the gang is like by the lockers, Xander and Willow look at each other and they they say, can you feel (gasps) the passion? Uh Uh-huh. And I was like, what? Like, I never noticed that before because obviously, like, passion is what kind of – she doesn't die in passion, right? Yeah, she she dies in passion. Well, yeah, then she dies in passion. I I thought – for some reason, I thought she died the episode after. Either way, I knew it tied into her dying. But she dies in passion, but it's also very interesting that they said it about their relationship, Mm -hmm. like Jenny and Giles, like – Oh, I just like was like, I don't know if that foreshadowing was on purpose or if it just like happened to correlate. But either way, I just thought it was so cool. I think initially when they wrote it, it wasn't on purpose simply because at this point, Oz hadn't really been introduced a ton. And I know that they were planning on having Oz killed instead of Jenny. And then he became a popular character. And so they decided not to kill him off. So Oz has barely been in the show. Um, so I'm fairly certain that they had him in for a couple episodes before they decided to swap him and Jenny in Passion. Mm. But either way, I think that them titling the episode Passion was intentional. Mm. I don't know that them writing that about Jenny and Giles' relationship and then yeah. tying it into Passion was initially intentional. I think it would have been better to kill someone off that was there for like a whole season because I feel like it wouldn't have been as impactful if they had killed Oz off because we just met him and they don't even start to have like kind of sort of relationship until like what's my line part one and two. And then he dies like three episodes later. That doesn't really make sense. 
Well, and also, could you imagine them trying to do a Dark Willow storyline at the same time as Angelus? Like, it would take away from both of those big moments in the show. I'm kind of glad that a lot of things got, like, ripped away from them as the seasons went on because I feel like the progression of Willow really kind of, like, fit for season six. And for the vibe of season six, it has worked. But I feel like if we had squeezed her in in season two, we haven't really seen her dabble too much in the dark arts in season two. We have barely even seen her do anything mystical at all up until this point. Like, it's not really until the end of season two that we even see her perform her first big spell, which is for Angel. Yeah, right. And that's why it's such a powerful moment. And that's why becoming part two is so phenomenal is because you actually have not just Buffy in that emotional fight with Angel, but Willow is doing her first spell at the same time. Like, it's just, yeah, it's so good. Also, did you guys notice that comment that Xander makes when they're all in the computer lab? He talks about how no one can be as tightly wound without erupting. And I thought it was really interesting that Anya says something very similar to Buffy in season six, the episode Smashed, the episode where she starts to sleep with Spike. It's the episode where Willow is starting to kind of, well, not just that episode, but it's the season that Willow is having issues with magic. Mm -hmm. And through this like past rewatch, I realized that there is a very strong connection between Willow and Giles. And they have a really, um, they have a really strong relationship. And that's why it makes it so powerful that it's Giles at the end of season six who comes back and stops Willow. And it shows that both Willow and Giles struggle with using magic in an appropriate way and without being addicted to it. And I think the fact that Giles tells Willow in the beginning of season six, you know, you're, what does he say? Rank foolish amateur. It's like rank arrogant. Yeah, I think it's arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's interesting because in this episode, you see that Giles had a past addiction, that he he mm-hmm. likes the high, he likes the power he gets from having mm-hmm. Igon, and that's very similar to Willow. And this starts kind of the magic is addicting. Yeah, magic yeah. is an addiction um, storyline that we see really come to a head in season six. And I think that's yeah. interesting. But also, like, I – and I keep saying this, like, oh, on this rewatch, I noticed this, but, like – Please believe me when I say that. I genuinely – because here's the thing. I only really started picking up on a lot of the deeper metaphors the past, like, year and a half-ish. I, like, I knew of a lot of it, but, like, I just enjoyed, like, the theatrics of it and, like, the entertainment of it. But re-watching it again, this is probably, like, my third rewatch, like, really picking up on a lot of, like, the absorption of it. I noticed a lot of, like – I don't know if there's like a ton, but there's a couple like little moments where people will be like, oh, Willow, you should be a watcher or like, yes. have you thought about like this? And I, I, I never noticed that. I was like, oh my gosh, like people, that's the storyline they were going with at the time. Well, it's actually not because Joss Whedon, he was given an interview halfway through season mm-hmm. two and the interviewer actually asked him, he's like, is Willow going to become a watcher? Oh, no because way. that was okay. a theory that everyone was having. They're like, oh. Willow's going to be a watcher. And Joss said- um, no, Willow's not going to be a watcher. He's like, but don't worry, I have big plans for Willow other than he, he said she's not going to be a watcher. But he wouldn't tell them it's because he planned her for being the witch. And we know that okay. all the way back from Halloween when we had the opera guy singing to her about how the child with whose eyes the witchery is shining or something like that. You mean Nightmares? I- yeah. Oh, Nightmares. Sorry. Yeah, not Halloween. Um, Back in Nightmares where, you mm-hmm. know, there's that foreshadowing of her becoming a witch. So that he knew that's where he was going. But I think it's interesting that 
they have Willow being like, no, I don't want to be a watcher in this episode. Um, mm. Just because it seems like it would be the natural role for her to fall into. Right. But I will say Dawn becoming a watcher or like, you know, wanting to become a watcher, I think was the best storyline for oh, her. Oh, absolutely. If they're not going to give her any like mystical stuff, I think that being a watcher really does suit her because she did have to, she was forced to physically watch Buffy do all the stuff and she couldn't do it herself. So I think it kind of was like a play on words where she watched her, but also that she like observed a lot. So she knows how to do things. Well, but also she always got stuck like staying in the magic shop researching because yeah. they didn't actually want her to go out in the field and be hurt because it was dangerous. And so she just naturally went into the research role. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much most of what a watcher is, is research. Yeah. And training. Yeah. But I just think that the whole magic slash drug use metaphor is, I never picked that up that it starts as early as season mm -hmm. two. Yeah. Um, I didn't either. I knew that I tend to go more towards the will has an addiction to control than it is magic itself is addicting, although I can see that in there too. I just think mm -hmm. that works better with Willow's overall character arc. Um, but I would even argue that Giles has an addiction to control oh, absolutely. as well. Mm -hmm. Because like you see the power struggle all throughout the show between him and mm -hmm. Buffy. I think that him and Willow ha both have that in common. And maybe that's partially why they are addicted to magic mm. but i think yeah. that both of them do have a personality that craves to be in power because they did not have power yeah. especially in their upbringing or maybe because they see the people around them the slayers specifically with so much power so in their mind they have to keep up or they're trying to i think there's an exact correlation between giles wanting control in his life because his parents are like this is the path we've set for you mm -hmm. you're going to be a watcher and giles is like forget that i want to gain control of my life so he goes and he accepts igon and does right. all that stuff because that's his way right. of gaining control over his life you know right yep i i just think and i know this is not a an unpopular opinion everyone loves willow but i i genuinely think willow is such a thought out intelligent character and like she makes sense from season one willow to season seven willow like mm -hmm. i i see them both as the same person even though they look so different um i just think her i think she's so incredibly interesting as a yeah. character and i think that like what you said sarah about like there's two different metaphors there there's like the feeling powerless and then there's the whole addictive part but i think a lot of it kind of goes hand in hand sure. um because it's like i think that she just struggles with having self-control in general and like yeah she was a lot more composed in the earlier seasons but i think it's just because she was used to being powerless during that time and then she got older and then got more confident in herself and like learned about herself and was like oh i'm gonna take power into my own hands but she didn't know how to navigate that correctly yeah um something this is kind of slightly off topic but still um down the willow lane so I've been really thinking about why Willow dresses the way that she does. Very bright colors. Sometimes yeah. the patterns and everything kind of clash. Sometimes the colors even clash. Like they don't seem like they go quite together. Um, and I realized that what Willow struggles with, especially with the first three seasons, is identity and who she is and mm -hmm. where she Open fits. Scene. I noticed this yeah. too in her clothes. I've been waiting mm -hmm. to talk about it. It is so interesting to me because like – Everyone knows I'm obsessed with clothes 
And like, I notice them a lot in show. That's one of the first things I always notice is how they dress a certain character. And it is so interesting to me that the first three seasons of the show, Willow wears a lot of bright colors. Like she wears a lot of bright greens, I've noticed. But then as soon Mm -hmm. as you hit like the fourth season on when she comes Mm -hmm. out and it's more like herself. She's also a witch. and She kind of was starting to find herself Mm -hmm. more like what Sarah Mm -hmm. was saying. And she wasn't trying to fit in, a.k.a. she wasn't trying to be like another Buffy because that's how Buffy dresses. And so, like, it's just very interesting. And, I mean, we can talk about how Buffy's style evolves Mm -hmm. as well with her character. But I've always found Willow's style, like, a little bit more subtle. But, like... Very powerful when you think about it. I mean, subtle in the way, like, what the message is trying to send across. Because I think that Willow's outfits often are very loud. And I think that's Willow just trying to be like, this is who I am. Or, like, this is me. And, like, finding herself. And oftentimes her colors will clash. And I realized it's because Willow doesn't know who she is yet. And you literally see that. And Restless, when she has her clothes ripped off and you see her clothes from the first episode, is Mm -hmm. because Willow wears clothes as a costume in a way of, like, trying to gain control of her surroundings. And, yeah, it's just Mm -hmm. really interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, well, thank you. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about in the exact same conversation where Xander is talking about how tightly wound Giles is, he talks about – he uses his uncle Rory as an example. And I think it's really funny because his uncle Rory, we actually meet him in Hell's Bells. And he says that he's a taxidermist. And in Hell's Bells, his uncle Rory is pointing out a poorly stuffed animal head and saying that like – that's like not oh. well done and stuff. So they like what the heck? There's so many small things you remember, Sarah. I would have never noticed that. Well, I heard the Uncle Rory thing, and I was like, oh, I bet you that's in Hell's Bell. So then when I was researching it, I like looked it up. <laughs> I bet and then, you that's in this random episode. Yeah. Well, and then someone was like, oh yeah, but then he also, I think IMDb said something about how he was a taxidermist, and they had that correlation. So I did not remember that, but I thought that was really interesting. The when they're at the hospital. Um, the car that the vampire is driving looks just like the one that they use on Angel. Oh, yeah. I was thinking that. I was like, I thought it was Angel initially. And then I realized, Yeah, oh, me yeah. too. <laughs> so I don't know if they use like the same car because they like didn't like want to buy another one. <laughs> because it's did. also, well, it's also the same, not that, you know, they swap the same car, but it's, um... The same car that they use, I think, in Supernatural. I think it's slightly different, but well, it's all obviously black. like a different. It's obviously a different car. Obviously, we're like not car same. people. They switched over <laughs> and they like a they ship it over. It's like completely different models of like is someone the same out car? there is like what you bunch of idiots. <laughs> yeah, they look completely different. I'm like, uh, yeah. they're both black. And then we're over here analyzing <laughs> their clothes, and we're like, this is Prada. This is, and they were like, like is that black clothes car? are so smart. And then like I'm like, oh, that's a nice black car. There's like a significant same one on Angel. Yeah, there's like a significance about the car and we're like totally missing it because we do not understand cars. (laughs) Um, And then, I mean, these are little things, but this is interesting that Giles talks about how he understands like what good music is because we Mm -hmm. end up finding out that Giles actually can sing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Mm -hmm. we also have – this is the first time the cage is actually used to contain someone, which I think is super clever because it comes in handy when we find out Oz is a werewolf. Yep. I've always like I understand that it's supposed to be like, oh, you're supposed to guard the older books, but I'm like, this is so convenient for the show to have this cage in a library. I've never understood well, the reason for it. It actually makes sense because like 
there's the books that are more precious that they need to lock up. And sometimes those books, like, need special temperature and, like, things like that. So sometimes they'll, like, But even a cage, have, like, though. You can't temperature control right, a cage. Right, right. Yeah. Right. I, if you had let me finish, I was sorry, going to sorry. say, <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> I was going to say that some rooms are have like are complete rooms and they have like actual doors that can shut and they are temperature controlled in there. But obviously this one has a cage, which Sarah interrupted me. <laughs> sorry. Um, Glad you have eyes and can see that it's a cage. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I think it's just supposed to be that one, they're supposed to be like the important books. But I think that more importantly, they're supposed to be Giles books that he doesn't want kids touching. No, I know why it's there. I understand the idea of it, but I just don't understand why it has to be a cage like that. That like is so nefty and is like perfect for, you know, a werewolf not getting strong out. Strong enough that you can, you know, put a werewolf and a vampire in there and they won't get I out. Know. Like, that is a pretty yeah. strong cage. Um, okay, so a couple of things. So Willow channeling Giles in this episode, again, another correlation of how Giles and Willow have very similar storylines and how close they are. And I think how much Willow looks up to Giles, um, especially too, like noticing how kind of disappointed Willow was in Giles drinking and all that other mm-hmm. stuff. You could tell she was kind of like, oh, he's a person I really look up to and he's right. ha- struggling and he's having these difficulties. Um, but I think that Willow being in leadership is something that happens again in season six in bargaining after Buffy dies. And I think she, it's interesting how she keeps getting forced into these leadership roles and not, or I guess forced is not the right word. She takes on the leadership roles. And um, season five, when Buffy has that comatose moment where she literally just like zones out when Dawn's been kidnapped by Glory and Giles is in the hospital. Willow immediately takes leadership. Um, and then when Buffy has died, remember Xander, they all vote to put her in leadership. Um, I just think mm-hmm. that it's really interesting. This is like the first step of that, like Willow taking charge and really being like, this is what we need to do, guys. Um, and I just think it's cool that they carry that through the rest of the series. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking kind of on that and like Buffy's character, this was the first time I saw like season seven Buffy in action yes like it's specifically after Giles is like this is none of your concern blah 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 and then she's like oh Xander go do this Cordelia like and she's kind of like Mm -hmm. dictating stuff out and she kind of disregards like Giles not only do we see that like power struggle that we've been talking about like kind of develop more where Buffy is realizing that even though Giles is her watcher she ultimately is the slayer Mm -hmm. and like can kind of override him But it's also just, like, so cool to see her take leadership so quickly and adapt to it and just, like, take charge in such a natural way. Because that's all she does on in, like, season six on up. And so it's just really interesting to see her kind of take charge again. It reminds me a lot of – oh, no. I'm going to – I'm going to say it again. Reminds me a lot of Teacher's Pet. (laughs) No! I'm sorry. I don't know why. It reminds me of this is the only episode we can think of calling back on. I hate this episode. I actually wish it didn't exist. Dead serious. (laughs) Let me finish. And teacher's pet, when she is spurred on by Dr. Gregory to do research, you kind of see Buffy take leadership and ownership in that episode with a lot of things. Like she's the one that tells Giles that it, you have to use like the bat scream and all this other – or sonar. It's not bat scream. You, you have to use sonar and all this other stuff. Is it sonar mm-hmm. or bat scream? I can't even remember. Anyway. Sonar is like 
Actually, I don't know if I'm correct, so I'm just going to not say anything. Yeah, see, I'm like, <laughs> I was going to make a guess. I was like, if I'm wrong, I'm going to sound really stupid. Yeah, I already sound stupid. But anyway, so Buffy knew how to defeat Miss French and all that stuff. And so this kind of reminded me of that Buffy. Like, we haven't really seen her like that in a while, and I really like it. I enjoy I enjoy general Buffy. Like when Leah said this reminded her of season seven, I also wrote that down too. But I don't know. Every time I get glimpses of that, my heart kind of like breaks again. Because not going to lie, like season seven, like the tension between Giles and Buffy kind of makes me a little sad just because like when I rewatch like the beginning seasons, I'm like, oh, like, like especially episodes like Helpless. Helpless is one of my all-time favorite episodes. And like at the end when it's like that sweet, like, oh, you have a, a father's love for the child. And like there's just like that sweet connection with them. It just kind of makes me sad to think of what happens. Um, not that there's like a major like drift between them. Um, I think there is a lot of it, but I think like it makes sense because Buffy is the slayer. Yeah. And I don't want to give too much away because I have a lot to say on that. And I feel like I kind of want to save it for that episode, but I will say that I think that it's interesting to watch Buffy and Giles's relationship evolve and change mm-hmm. over the seasons. And yes, they have that rift at the end, but they do end the season on the same page again. Yeah, for and, sure. You know, so yeah, I agree with you though, Tabs. I think that this right here shows that that Giles in season seven wasn't fully out of character, like mm-hmm. some people like to believe he is, you know? So anyway. Okay, so like on a bummer note, <laughs> I was really kind of sad when I saw this, but Cordelia makes that comment right after Willow's talking about the Mark of Igon, and she talks about how known as the sleepwalker can only exist in this reality by possessing an unconscious host. Temporary possession gives the host a euphoric feeling of power, and then how the possession is permanent. Oh, no. Igon will be born from within the <laughs> I see where this one's going. Yes, you know where mm. this is going. And Cordelia says, I'm guessing you, and I just – it makes me so sad because of what yeah. happens to Cordelia in season four. I don't even want to talk about it, to be honest. I, <laughs> I thought, No, there are a lot of things about Buffy that I'm like, I'd rather kind of not really talk about it, but nothing. And I'm not even exaggerating. I love to exaggerate. It's like one of my like basic <laughs> formulas about what drives me as a person. Um, <laughs> but like out of all the shows I've ever seen, the storyline of season four of Angel makes me the most angry of anything else I've seen. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this character that we've all loved for like six Had years. Had to sleep with Connor. <laughs> I was so mad. I was so mad. I, yeah. Oh gosh, I can't even. I just get, I get frustrated and I'll go on a very small tangent. My biggest beef with the show Angel is how they treat their female characters. Yep. Yep. Every single one of their female mm-hmm. characters either becomes impregnated or has something take over their body. Darla, Cordelia. And that's Fred. how they die. It's not, not just how like, they die. That's a small storyline. Yep. That's how yep. they literally die. Yeah. I think one of my biggest beefs with Angel as well. Well, one of my minor big beefs, if that makes sense, is No, it doesn't. But go ahead. <laughs> is Fred's character in general. I love Fred, but they mm. reduced her to a love interest every single yeah. time. Like when she was with Gunn. Her and Gunn's, like, storyline, non-existent. Like, no character development for either of them for, like, a whole season. They were stagnant. It was so boring. It was awful. I knew their characters were meant for more. And then 
after that, Fred just pretty much became a catalyst for um, Wesley's character. So it was like Fred was pretty much mainly used to push forward Wesley's character. I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah. Season five, Fred was starting to find her feet. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I recognized that they were planning on having another season after and Fred mm-hmm. would come back and it was going to be this whole big thing. But they knew that the show was ending. So they kind of had to just go with where they were going with Illyria. Um, I do think that once Fred turned into Illyria, she started having an actual cool storyline. But a lot mm-hmm. of times Fred was just used as a catalyst for Wesley and the rest of the yeah. boys. Well, that's that's what I was saying is that like, yeah, like they had even like Cordelia, like this may be unpopular. I love Cordelia as a character, but a lot of times towards the end of like middle is towards end of Angel, like Cordelia was Middle season three? Yeah, kind of like season three three and season Uh four. Cordelia was less so of her own character and more so like kind of like a catalyst for Angel and kind of like a cheerleader for Angel. Well, that's because they wanted them to be together for the network. So it was, again, at the expense of the female character. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them were cool on their own. They were going somewhere. Same thing with Darla. Although... I will say out of all the storylines, Darla's actually makes sense, gave her a cool Yeah, I agree. I agree. She actually had an arc when she was pregnant because she could feel the essence of Connor's soul. That's the only good part of Connor's character was because of Darla's. And it wasn't just like Darla's soul. Like it wasn't just her pregnancy. Like we'd seen Darla be human yep. before that. We'd mm-hmm. seen her become a vampire yeah. again. Like there was a she lot was a, going she on. She was a three-dimensional character. Feeling sadness. Like you see her feel human emotions as right. a vampire. But if that was an isolated thing, it would have been fine. Yeah. But then you had mm-hmm. Cordelia and then you had Fred and it was mm-hmm. like, oh my god. I think what was more yeah. frustrating about it was that they gave us good, interesting female characters and then yep. robbed us of good storylines of them. Fred yeah. was a fascinating yeah, Fred was a fascinating character and I love her to death, but there was still something missing with her. Cordelia was like a strong character who grew, who had such a good storyline and then like probably halfway through season three and the ending of season four, they crapped all over her character. And, and Darla, I I was never the biggest fan of Darla, but I there she's the only one where I was kind of like, okay, you know, your storyline actually did you justice, but it, you know, it took a little of some like wobbly turns to kind of get to a good ending for her. Yeah, and it's just it's frustrating, and I I think about that, and I'm like, Ugh. and I'm thankful we have your welcome to kind of like finish out Cordelia's character mm-hmm. arc a little bit, but it just makes me so sad that she went through all of that just to have it like cut off and then killed. And it feels like yep. Cordelia Chase was meant to do so much more than just be mm-hmm. the catalyst for one man. I agree. And it's just – it's frustrating. Yep. But, I mean, there's nothing we can do about that. And so I kind of tend to look at the Cordelia in Buffy as slightly different than the Cordelia on Angel simply mm-hmm. because I like to believe that Cordelia did end up escaping somewhere and living a long, happy life somewhere after she left Sunnydale. Yeah, I don't know. It literally makes me infuriated because, like, Cordy was supposed to be – Either she was supposed to be like Cordy herself and be shallow but be great in that area, or she was supposed to grow and be the champion she was supposed to be on Angel and then continue in that way and then die with dignity. Um, And we just didn't get either. And I just was like, this is not how Cordy's character was supposed to go out. 
Like it's yeah. just so stupid to me. But yeah, yeah anyway. I do appreciate that they had her die selflessly, and I think that that is a good arc for her because we see her as in a very an extremely selfish person in season one of Buffy, um, and someone who's also incredibly lonely. She died surrounded by her chosen family. And as someone who gave up a lot and became very um, unselfish. So I do think that there was resolution in that regard. But yeah, the rest of it is just – it's sad because it feels like it was too – it was cut too short. Also, speaking of Angel, I did want to mention the irony in Angel saving Jenny this episode. Because like – Yeah, right? And I think they did this kind of on purpose because I think that they had the idea of Jenny dying. I think it was kind of probably a toss-up between Jenny and Oz. And so I have a feeling that they were leaving Easter eggs for both kind of. But like I think it's so interesting that like Angel comes in. He's the only person who can save her. He ends up saving her. And you kind of just don't think about it because you're like, oh, you know, Angel saves everyone. Buffy saves everyone. That's what the gang does. But then flash forward to the ending of the season, not even like middle of the season. And Angel is the reason that, you know, she dies. I kind of didn't feel like they knew what they were doing in this episode when it came to like foreshadowing, when it came to Angel and Jenny, because we've only met Oz like what twice at this point so like I didn't really kind of feel like it was like a Spolsbean irony I think now that we know what happened it's kind of like ironic to think about but I think in the moment they weren't trying to do that um but I yeah I do always forget that his character once was like the shining hero in an episode when it came to her because when I always think of like Jenny and Angel I just think of tragedy well, and it's not just Angel too. Like literally, Angelus saves Jenny because Angelus is the one that fights Igon and kills him. That's true. And on top of that, too, Angelus has his hands around her neck and is choking her, and he snaps her neck in passion. Oh, yeah. Like it's just very like they definitely were very specific when they wrote passion. I don't know if they did it in this one, but it was yeah. yeah it's just very interesting. Um, in talking about the whole Angelus thing, did you notice that Jenny? forces um, Giles up inside of his house when she is got Igon and she forcibly kisses him and then she pulls back and says, was it good for you? And when Angelus kills Jenny's Mm -hmm. uncle, he paints his blood on the wall for Buffy to find and he says, was it good for you? The exact same thing. Creepy. Mm. I hate that line. Yep. Um, I also think it's really precious that conversation that Buffy and Giles have in his house where he breaks down and says, I don't know how to stop it without killing Jenny. And then Mm. she says, I'm going to try to contain it until they can figure something out. And then he says, Buffy, I'm sorry. And she says, I know. It reminds me of the episode Innocence, I think after- Yep. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, after she sleeps with Angel Mm -hmm. and they have that whole conversation in the car and he tells Mm -hmm. her, you know, I'm not going to berate you. You will always have my respect. And I think this episode is so important if only for that that conversation because it shows the level of intimacy that Buffy and Giles now have, the trust that's being built and how that just continues to grow over the seasons. makes it so impactful too when Giles gets kidnapped at the end of the season Mm -hmm. because you've seen the bond that they have and you're like, oh my gosh, like Buffy needs to go save Giles right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. And like, again, but I'm bring back or bring it to helpless. Not you guys think it was thinking I was going to say teacher's bed. Nope. I was like, no, not going to take his bed. Um, but to helpless because season two was just such a a fundamental season for Giles and Buffy's 
relationship. So when season three happens, you're just so taken aback and helpless because you're like, you would never thought he would poison her like that. But yeah, I don't know. I just like, I forget about this conversation they have like in his house when he's just scared and she's able to be there for him because in turn he can talk to her in innocence and then she saves his life in becoming part two. And like, just like, I don't know. Everything always builds up and it's just so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, And then another Cordelia thing. (laughs) So when Willow is continuing to channel Giles and is like drinking the tea and then Cordelia and Xander are at each other's throat. Did you see this? Okay. So Cordelia reads about how you cut a demon's head off to kill it. And this is believed until there's no place like Plurd's Glurb when she's like queen of Plurd's Glurb. And on Angel, and they cut Lauren's head off, and they bring it to her on a platter, and she believes that he's dead, and then she finds out that you can't kill Lauren by cutting off his head. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, because I thought he was actually dead, and I was so angry. Because I was like, <laughs> no, I was so mad, because I was like, this is not how you kill a beloved character, just something <laughs> stupid and so morbid. I was, I was about to pop off i was so mad I was you were like, already hating the the show at that point too well no i wasn't hating it i i've here's the thing <laughs> this is how i am with taylor swift too the queen taylor swift she is the love of my life whenever i listen to a new <laughs> album of hers i always hate it at first because i have such unrealistic expectations because she's amazing that anything other than like nothing wrong in a song which which is true, but like, you know, I listen to it and I'm like, I hate it. And then I go back and I love it. That's how I am with Angel. I When I first watched it, I was just so scared that Angel was going to be like a really rough character to watch outside of Buffy. And there were some really rough times like season two. Um, but I really appreciated the show after watching it because we also binged way too much of it too soon. And I couldn't, I didn't have time to process all of it. Um all that to say, I don't hate Angel. I think that I just was having a hard time watching it the first time and the only time I've ever seen it. Um, but especially that that episode with Lauren, I was so – I remember telling Sarah, I was like, I don't want to watch anymore. That was like my dipping point. I was like – and Sarah was like, just watch. And I was like, I'm so mad. I was like, that is not how you kill off Lauren. I was so – And he had just like started becoming a regular recurring character too. I getting yeah. triggered thinking about my feelings in that episode. Yeah. But I just think that's interesting that there's just all these like little tie-ins and callbacks. I just it really makes the characters feel very real. Yeah. And then I think it's also interesting that Cordy mentions that Xander needs a brain because we know from Restless that Giles is the brain of the group, Xander is the heart. And it's interesting because Giles is incapable of functioning in this episode. So they are missing their mm-hmm. literal brain or their little brain, I guess their figurative brain. <laughs> and so and the scene like Willow says, if we p- all put our heads together, and I thought that was a really cool metaphor, but it's also interesting because you really truly see Willow as the spirit of the group in this episode. She's the one that's rallying everybody, getting them together and getting them to um, to work well together and stuff. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I always like little tie-ins like that because I'm always looking for like the hand, the heart, the spirit and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you guys catch that really sweet moment when Angel saves Jenny and Buffy looks up at him and says, winner and still champion? Yep. <gasps> oh, so cute. And I was like, Angel the champion. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's like it always reminded me an angel when like he just was constantly referred to as like a champion. Because Buffy called him one first. <laughs> oh, so oh. Cheers. 
My gosh, I love them so much. I'm so excited to talk about the rest of the show with them. Anyway. I'm so partial to them. I'm sorry, guys. I like I could try and be impartial when it comes to other things, but like my heart will just always go out to Angel and Buffy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll talk about I'll talk about other things when they get there, and there's a lot of good happening. But they just they have such an innocent place in my heart. Yeah. Second best is Buffy and Owen. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy and Riley. I was trying to think of an obscure random boyfriend, or not boyfriend, but a guy that like Buffy was somewhat interested in. Actually, uh, second best is um, Angel and that girl he's sleeping with in season five of Angel. Oh yeah, what's that chick's name? I don't know. I doesn't remember her name. The the wolf. The wolf. No, I hate her. I hate her so much. I think I. Why she did nothing? I don't even remember her name. I just don't like her. (laughs) Oh my gosh, she drives me. Dude, that was savage at the end though. She's like, let's leave, and he just is like. No, <laughs> like, well, he was trying to protect her, but I do, I will say, so like they get together, they have that moment and then immediately he leaves because Buffy's in trouble in Paris because he has spies watching her and then, mm-hmm. and then he comes back and you see them sleeping together and she's like, is it that girl in Paris? And I was like, ha ha. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, he says no, but like, you know, it always is. <laughs> Nobody believes you, Angel. Anyway, we're going so far off topic. Could you imagine being that girl knowing that like he literally lost his soul because he had one moment of absolute pure, like everything is perfect happiness with the love of his life and you have sex with him all the time and then like nothing And he feels nothing. (laughs) I would literally every morning I wake up and be like, you feeling anything? I would get there yet. I'd be flattered if he turned into angels, but then I'd also immediately <laughs> regret it. No, you know what I'd be so angry at? It's not the fact that he didn't lose his soul. It's that he knows he won't yeah, lose his soul. Like he knows that if he like has any, like he knows that he will not be that happy with me. Yeah, I think I, I literally think that that's what would piss me off the most. I'd be like, "What am I doing here? If you see no happiness with me, but also ever like, the fact that he's not even stressed at all about sleeping with her, he's like, oh, that's no, what I mean. I know, but I'm saying like, could you imagine like, like I'd be at least a little bit like, oh, maybe we'll make it. Maybe he really does love you, but just not as much as, you know, Buffy was at the time, which is so horrible to think about. But the fact he's not even, like, worried at all to sleep with her. Like, he just doesn't even think about it. He was semi-worried, but not for those reasons. Like, Wesley had to literally talk him into to dating her because Wesley was, like, soulmates mm-hmm. only come around, like, once every, like – I don't remember how what it is like. They're only one every thousand chance, or it was like some really obscure number. I don't remember exactly what it is. Sorry, everybody, I'm butchering it. But Wesley was like, it's very, very, very rare, yeah. and it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. He's like, why not just like date her? You know, because it's a good thing to do. So Angel's like, oh, okay, she's basically like his fifth choice at this point. Like, no, that's generous. I don't even think I literally. Nina, her that, name like, is Nina. <laughs> I, I I literally think it was just the fact that like Angel was like, yeah, I'm like I'm not doing anything. And, you know, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> I got some time to kill. Like <laughs> I just will do you. Yeah. And the stupid part is she's like brought back in the episode that he's a puppet, and nobody remembers that she's in it because everybody just remembers the puppet. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, she's a pretty forgettable character. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, why are we talking about Nina? I hate her. Okay, moving on. The last thing I have to say is there there is a theory that this is one of the first bits of foreshadowing that Jenny is not actually who she says she is. Um, mm. And especially at the very end of the episode, how quickly she 
says she needs space from Giles. And that's not to diminish what she went through because yes, absolutely. It was traumatizing. But the thing is, is that she's a technopagan. She's aware of mystical forces. She knows all of this stuff. She knows like what she was getting into being involved with the watcher. I believe that like she, there's a possibility that she was initially flirting with Giles as a way to get close to Buffy. But then when this whole thing happened, she realized and it revealed to her that things were a lot more dangerous and that mm. her feelings for Giles were actually a lot more intense than she realized. Um, it might have been a wake-up call she needed to distance herself from Giles to protect herself and her secret. Um, I agree. And her feelings. Yeah, and her feelings. Because she's realizing, well, I'm getting way too invested and wrapped up in this. And also it's very dangerous. Like I need to step back and figure out what I'm doing. So I believe that this might be like the first bit of foreshadowing. But anyway. Well, I think once again, we have talked about everything under the sun, but I guess that's kind of what we promised at the beginning of Scooby Secrets. So you're all welcome. (laughs) And next episode is What's My Line Part 1? Cannot wait. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Oz. Oz and Kendra. Yeah, there's just a lot of really cool stuff. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Hopefully, you guys are too. Please let us know what you guys thought of this episode, if there's anything we missed. What do you think of Nina? (laughs) What do you think of Cordelia's arc? I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about all those things again later, but I'm just curious what everyone thinks. So thanks so much for listening, you guys. We This is just really fun. And I think as we're getting deeper into the seasons, it's just getting even more fun. And it's just, there's a lot to talk about. And the conversations we've been having with you guys have been really interesting too. So keep it up. And with that, guys, we will see you next time. 